surpassed first point guard and trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen. Coming at you every single weekday, Monday through Friday. So make it your first listen. Make it part of your daily routine. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. Today's show, we're going to talk about a virtuoso losing performance. One of the great losing performances you will ever see. Ever see. Portland's commitment to not getting wins inspired me. I've come to the other side. <laughs> and I really I really see some some uh beauty in the absolute nonsense. I don't see beauty. I'm um but I'll I'll uh, I'll lie to you all a little bit. We'll talk about their game. They lost to the Spurs. Uh we'll talk about some solutions to prevent games like this from happening. Uh yeah, on yesterday's show, I had Keith Parrish on and he pitched his perfect plan to end tanking, which I really like. I'll pitch a couple others uh from from my research and how to, how to avoid nights like this. TM, TM, TM. And then to close the show, uh, I want to just talk about what's next. The next time we talk, this is the final show before the season ends. The next time we talk, um, the, the, the Blazers year will be over. So we'll, we'll close the show with a little bit of what's, what's next, what's to come, what to expect, why to get on board now type of thing. Should be a bunch of fun, but we're going to, let's, let's talk about this basketball game. <laughs> the Blazers, but the Blazers, they did it. They did it. They lose 129, 127 to the San Antonio Spurs in Austin. Uh, the Blazers dropped to 24 and 7 on the season when scoring at least 115 points. And what a time. What a time to score 115 and still lose. Portland was up 37 32 after one. Like, this was going to be um, this was going to be a game. Trent Watford was healthy and available. Drew Eubanks was health, with health, healthy and available. Skylar Mays was playing. They were getting Nate Williams minutes. Kevin Knox available off the bench. No Cam Reddish. No Matisse Thybul. Obviously no Shaden Sharp. It was like as soon as Shaden Sharp's name ended on the as soon as he was pulled from the game, as soon as he was pulled from the final eight minutes and his name showed up on the injury report, there's zero percent chance he was playing. His season's done. Congrats, Shaden Sharp. Too good to play. I'm proud of you, dog. Too good to play. What a what a world. Uh, so the 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 Spurs like they're not doing what the Blazers are doing, right? They're not resting their vets. They just didn't. They just built a terrible team on purpose. Like they've like to me. I don't know if I don't know like I don't know the difference here. Like what the Blazers are doing is tanking, right? Because they were the ship was the ship was sailing along, and they said, "Oh no, let's sink it." The Spurs always meant to to you know pilot a submarine. They were always going to be below below the surface. They were bad all year. They've secured one of the three uh, worst records in the league. Like they they this is what they were after, and that they did it. But like they're playing their dudes. Kelton Johnson came back from from an injury, and he's playing. You know, Trey Jones is playing. Zach Collins came back and closed out the fourth quarter. He's been, he's you know been their starting center since they traded away uh, Jakob Pertl. Yeah, like this is the Spurs are just the Spurs are naturally bad with the with their and they're not totally healthy by any means. Um, but with a with a somewhat healthy roster playing their guys, the, the Blazers are like going the other way. So or going aggressively the other way, maybe in the same direction, but even more aggressively. So you know, this was going to be close. Like this was always going to be competitive games because these are two of the worst rosters in the league and the Blazers were committed to having even uh, even worse roster but Portland up up 37 uh 32 after one but found themselves down down eight at halftime they're down 69 61 in the um 
at the break, Spurs score 37 in the second quarter, and it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe Kelvin Johnson is like an NBA starter, and Zach Collins is playing pretty well, and Trey Jones is playing pretty well. Maybe it's going to go away. Spurs led by as many as nine in that third quarter. Looks like, um, looks like it might just be like sort of, okay, it's out of reach. But Blazers close the third quarter strong and take a lead into the fourth, 198, and then it meant the shenanigans must ensue. The Blazers led 119-110 with 526 left. Halfway through the period, up 119-110. They got to figure out a way. They got to figure out a way to lose this game, and they're going to. Spurs rip off a rip off a 13-0 run to take a four-point lead with 306 remaining. So in about two and a half minutes, two minutes and 20 seconds, the Spurs outscore the Blazers by 13. Portland starts turning the ball over. They stopped playing a point guard. That helped a lot. And then the Blazers down two with a minute and eight seconds left. Jabari Walker gets inside, goes into the body of Zach Collins and makes a great pass underneath. That's going to be a pretty, a pretty darn easy dunk, except whistle offensive foul going the other way. Chauncey Billups sitting on two timeouts, two point game with a minute left. Alex not to challenge masterclass in trying to lose this basketball game. Blazers trade buckets, find themselves down two again, needing a stop under 30 seconds. Kelvin Johnson drives baseline, makes a reverse layup, lets out a roar, a championship-level roar to the crowd at the Moody Center in Austin. Spurs hold on from there. They win 129-127. That's your fastest recap in the West. Incredible game. Drew Eubanks was awesome. 23 points, hit three three-pointers, uh, blocked five shots. was awesome. Drew Eubanks was awesome. He came back and played the final four minutes. I was pretty surprised by that because he had been so good that I thought they were going to bench him for the rest of the game, much like they did Skylar Mays, who played the first six minutes of that uh, third quarter, and they said, get out of here. <laughs> like, you've been too good. Get out. Like, go go on somewhere. Find yourself a spot at the end of the bench. Trenton Watford, according to the Blazers broadcast, was on a 20-minute minutes restriction. He played 1944. Uh, they played Trenton Watford. They used up his minutes restriction minutes before they got to crunch time. Kind of incredible stuff. Kevin Knox, really good off the bench. He finished with 24. Knox in, open, in the open court is fun. He made threes tonight. When he makes threes, he's, he's like a, a pretty good basketball player. Kind of inconsistent with his production, and it's hard to know what he'd be like against like really high-level competition, but he's had some good games during this intentionally losing stretch. Like um, I hope it works out for Knox. I don't think he'll be back in Portland, but he's... Like, I think he's, he has enough physical tools to probably stick in the league. Um, if he could figure it out on defense at any level, he has, like, the offensive, particularly open court athleticism and, and size to be, like, really a really intriguing player, but he's, he struggled a little bit Shaq, on, on the defensive end. Shaq Harrison, 10 points. Jabari Walker, 8. Justin Manaya 7, including a hilarious bank three-pointer in the fourth quarter. Uh, Skylar Mays, 11 and 7 before he sat. Trent Watford, 16 and 6 and 3 assists before he sat. John Butler Jr., 12 points. Uh, real, one, we'll get back to John Butler Jr. in a second. Uh, Julian Champagny, 24, including 17 in the first half off the bench for the for the Spurs. It's like, uh-oh. Uh, Julian Champagny, who I called Justin in a, in a show earlier this week. That's his brother. I thought it was Justin Champagny. That dude plays for the Raptors G League. Julian Champagny is the St. John's Champagny as opposed to the Pitt St. Penny. Uh, Champagne that that his brother is. Uh, he had 24 off the bench to go with Kelton Johnson. Big body had 24, including a, a big reverse layup late. Uh, Kate Bates Diop 25. Zach Collins 21. 10 boards, four assists against his former team. What a huge game! Zach Collins helping the Blazers win this game. Huge game for him. 18 and 10 from Trey Jones, who was really good. This game is kind of incredible. 
This game's kind of incredible. With six minutes and 20 seconds left in this game, Skylar Mays has been benched, right? Played the first half, first half, first five and a half minutes of third quarter. You're good. Sit down. You can't play. We're trying to lose. Can't play. Get, get, get out of here. Shaq Harrison, uh, you know, NBA vet, played some years in the leagues, back on a 10-day contract. He comes in. He plays the um, mid- midway through the third quarter to the midway through the fourth quarter mark. Blazers are comfortably in the lead. They're up eight when he, get, when he gets pulled. Get out of here. Put in, looking down the bench. Then, well, they don't have any guards. Who are they going to put in? They're putting in Kevin Knox. What the? For the final six minutes and 20 seconds of this basketball game, Chauncey Billups elected to play two way rookie John Butler Jr., the seven foot, 165 pound wing at point guard. That's why John Butler Jr. is our Nissan Aria Electric Player of the Week. The most electric player of the week brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. At point guard, John Butler was brilliantly fierce. He was fiercely elegant. Elegantly powerful, some would say. He was electric in helping the Blazers blow a lead and guarantee they would lose. He delivered the duality, the combination of fierceness and elegance, beautiful but strong, the perfect SUV crossover, and the perfect 7-1 point guard who hadn't played point a single minute of point guard or on had a single on-ball rep running pick and rolls or, or getting team organized ever in his NBA career, the perfect SUV crossover to lose you a basketball game that you absolutely need to lose. It's a 2023 Nissan Aria. Packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The same way that, that John Butler Jr. packs intriguing rim protection and also the perfect point guard to lose you a basketball game hilariously in the final week of the season. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. It's the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right. What a what a special what a special season it's been. Like this so I you know I I've, I've done I've done my share of whining about the tank. Like I hate it. I'll be honest. like I hate I hate that they are playing basketball games to lose. But but I've said this a bunch. I know I'm not sure everyone hears me when I say it. I I get why it's I get why they're doing it. I'm not confused about why it's going down. I understand. I've I seen Victor Wembanyama. I've watched him play. He's on League Pass. Like they put him on the NBA app all the time. Shout out to my man Kevin Dana calling calling the games on League Pass. I've I've heard Kevin Dana call three games. Like, um. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but there is something so incredible about. Being in a game against one of the worst teams in the league, like San Antonio is doing the same thing. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying like the Blazers are, the Blazers are doing something different, but they're both after the same thing. This is San Antonio committed to it like last July, and the Blazers committed to this in February. So it's, you know, both of these teams are 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 trying to be bad. The 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 Blazers are just trying to be bad at like such a wildly aggressive level that it's like it's kind of unknowable not challenging a foul when your players are saying challenge 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 with a minute left 
in a two-point game is like so insulting to basketball. Playing a dude like aggressively out of position because because specifically it won't work is wild. Like it's so it's so much. It's so much. Chauncey Billups, you know, I used to say players and coaches don't tank, organizations don't tank. Chauncey Billups tanks, y'all. That guy, that guy is committed to the cause. Um, one thing that's kind of, this is like a media thing, was kind of like kind of bummed me out is that um, because the Blazers stink, like no one is sending uh, reporters on the road. So the only like Blazers media that that's there is like in-house media. And like Casey Holdall can't grill Chauncey Billups on. So why didn't you play a point guard down the stretch? Why didn't Shaden Sharp play the last eight minutes? Like that's like they're on. They literally have the same employer. It's not. It's not. Casey should not do that. And I'm not like. I'm not saying like Casey get his ass. Like no, he shouldn't. That's not. That's like absolutely not Casey's job. But it is. It is kind of a bummer that Chauncey hasn't had to pretend like he was trying to win with these decisions. Uh, He's just like, yeah, you know, we didn't execute down the stretch. Bummer. It's like, come on, dog. We all saw what you did. Um, it's really special. I think uh, as much as it's like, like I think like disrespectful to the game, insulting to the game, and I do really earnestly believe that. The Blazers are so committed to this in such a comical and like gross way that I have, I've, I've come all the way to the other side. I've made it to the other side of the river. I'm on the banks. I'm on the banks of embracing this and just like, wow, this is incredible. It's it's art almost, almost art to uh, play John Butler Jr. at point guard down the stretch. Uh, You know who did that back in the day? The 2011-2012 Warriors who closed games at the end of that season playing Dominic McGuire, a veteran power forward at point guard down the stretch in order to ensure that they would get a lottery-protected top seven pick that ended up being Harrison Barnes, who ended up being a, uh, a key part of a championship team and then a key starter on one of the best lineups, key member of one of the best lineups that the league has ever seen in the last, or has certainly seen in the last 10 years of the Warriors' death lineup that won a kajillion games and then lost to LeBron James in the finals um and Kyrie Irving for sure the whole Cavs I guess won we'll give them credit but like the Warriors did it to chase Harrison to chase the seventh pick the Blazers are doing it to chase a generational talent like this has some this is something that has sort of been part of the league for a long time and it's been um it's been a decade since this was like a really big part of the conversation when the Sixers were doing it with um with the process and and um getting Joel Embiid and uh Ben Simmons and also like Julia Lokofer and Nerlens Noel during that stretch uh and then with Presti doing something similar to it in OKC and whatever Houston has been doing the last three years as well it's like this has been an ongoing thing for at least a decade. If and certainly like um, the Spurs pretty much chased it down in 1997 too. Like this is not a new phenomenon. And instead of like I got my whining out earlier this week. Um, thank you, thank you all who offered. I did. I was able to get some cheese with that wine. I am from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. After all, that's the type of crowd my people are. Uh, if you get that reference, shout out to you and Sam Cassell. But instead of whining. Let's offer some solutions. There's a couple draft solutions I really, really like, um, or lottery solutions, like fixing tanking solutions, like kind of tweaking tweaking how we approach draft uh, order and how we dro- approach the lottery system that I really, really like. One of the things, and a bunch of you emailed me, and I saw these comments on YouTube as well, is like to have some sort of 
tournament to decide who gets the who gets the top pick. Tournament doesn't make any sense to me. The players playing in the games um, to decide who gets the top pick, that top pick's coming to take their jobs. Why the hell does Drew Eubanks want to play, like, for someone to come take his job? Drew Eubanks, like, for these for these folks, like, for the Kevin Knoxes, uh, for the... For the, even for the Cam Reddishes of the world, it's like, what is what is my motivation to help this team get a really good draft pick so they can pick a teenager to come boot me up out of here? Like, players playing for draft compensation doesn't make sense. You gotta, They need to be incentivized with money because if you're incentivizing them to, like... Uh, have more have more people compete for their spot in a closed ecosystem it doesn't work like it's why the one and done stuff didn't get changed in the cba players don't want more college dudes coming in they want keep them out keep them out as long as you can have them go to the g league that sounds like a great route i want to stay in the league so i don't like that i don't like flattening the lottery odds totally because that doesn't change tanking it just changes the line where tanking is imagine if the los angeles lakers and dallas mavericks were chasing um who are, you know, chasing the last couple playing spots out. Dallas is probably not going to make make it. They're going to be a lottery team. But imagine if they, instead of playing down the stretch, were like, oh, well, we can just lose and we'll have the exact same odds as a team who's been terrible all year at getting Victor Wembanyama. There, there is no way, like, there's no way the Lakers and the, and the Mavericks are playing. Like, the league has done a pretty good job with, like, general flattening of the odds and creating the play-in tournament to reduce the number of teams that are really tanking. It's just the Blazers have been the egregious offenders each of the last two years. Flattening the odds moves the line where teams at that line of 7, 8, 9 really are like no 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 we don't like why do we want to go to denver and lose in the first round like this doesn't what would what would that if the if the option is have a whatever the flat odds would be 6.8 percent chance like equal chance of all 14 teams getting victor Wembanyama or losing to the denver nuggets and getting a couple a couple home playoff games absolutely we're losing this week like it would just it would it would make things worse don't like flattening the odds don't like a tournament so what do i like what do i like i like the wheel I like the wheel. Shout out, shout out to Blazer James who sent me, who reminded me of the wheel. Sent me, uh, sent me a a link to a to a story about it. Um, it was an AP story, but but I read the 2013 Grantland story by Zach Lowe about the wheel. The wheel is is a fixed lottery system. I like the wheel, and I like one other one. We'll start with the wheel, and then we'll start with my more my more radical version to to close the show. The wheel is a fixed lottery system in which you know your draft slot regardless of your record and it goes in cycles uh 30 year cycles so every you get a top guaranteed top 12 pick every 4 years and a guaranteed top 5 pick every 6 years and it's known it is known so um that's the idea would be like okay in we enact this now. There, the last owed pick is in 2028, so this begins in 2029. And in 2029, we'll have one final draft lottery that will decide the order, and then it'll go from there. Whoever wins that draft lottery for the 2029 draft would pick first, the first, thirtieth, nineteenth, eighteenth, seventh, and then the wheel would continue. Six, twenty-fifth, twenty-third. 14th, 11. That would be their 10-year cycle. So you'd know exactly where you're going to be, not just for 10 years, but for 30 years. I'm just not going to read you 30 numbers out, but 1, 30, 19, 18, 7. That would be your five years to make a plan. So you can kind of build your roster with that understanding. You don't have to have these crazy trade protections. If it's here and here, then you get this. It's just like, we're trading you our 2032 pick. It's the 18th pick in the 2032 draft. That's yours. Um, 
I like this because it does not incentivize you to um, to lose. It makes all because there is no lottery. They're just hey. You play, you keep going, you build the best team you can, and you know when the season starts what your draft compensation is going to look like. It doesn't mean that you can't trade for a bunch of picks. Like you could be aggressive and say, hey, we're going to, like, we know everyone's selections for years out. We're going to trade for a future fourth overall pick. Teams would be less likely to do that. But like at some point, it's like, hey, we're trying to win a championship. Sure, we're going to trade the number four overall pick in five years when we have it because we, this gets us a star right now and we can win a title. And that's the whole point of this thing, anyways. I like the wheel. I worry my my issue with the wheel is that you're picking around the same teams all the time and shenanigans might ensue. So like if you're one, uh, obviously like you kind of cycle a little bit, but you're if if you pick in that same range, like once the wheel starts, you're going to be in the same range as the same teams for for that cycle for 30 years and it's going to reset. So some shenanigans could ensue where people are, you know, picking a guy they know you want and blah, 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 blah. Like, I think it gets, I think it could get a little messy. It get really frustrating between teams. So uh, I have seen this pitched. I've seen it a couple different places, but a modified version of the wheel where the only things that matter are the top five pick every six years. So you're guaranteed. So for, if you use the same wheel, you would get one, six, five, two, three, four. Every six years, you'd get one of, or excuse me, it, yeah, every six years you get one of those selections. And so then over the course of 30 years, you'd be guaranteed one of those top picks. And the rest of the draft is is decided by where you finish. So you can still tank, but you can only tank, uh, you know, you can you can only tank to seven or we can only tank to six, right? Because you, you're getting you're getting one, five, two, three, four cycled through every six years. And so you can only tank to six. I said six in my first time I did it around. I apologize. So one, five, two, three, four, whatever it is, one, five, four, two, three, whatever, whatever the, the number might be. But everyone cycles through that each, everyone cycles through that every six seasons. You're guaranteed a top five pick at every six seasons. And if you bottom out, you can get to six, you can get to seven. So terrible teams could say like, hey, we know we're going to get we know we're in our cycle. Let's get seven this year. And next year, we're going to get the number two overall pick. Then we'll get seven again next year. That's three consecutive top 10 picks. It still maybe leads to teams tanking, but it doesn't, the incentive, like for the Victor Wembanyama thing, you're chasing Harrison Barnes. You're not chasing Victor Wembanyama. You're chasing like, hey, there's a chance to get a long-term starter in the league. Let's go get him. As opposed to like generational talent that leads you to playing John Butler Jr., at the end of games um, because you want to play someone who's too, who's like literally completely out of position to play point guard. Um, I like this one. I have a more radical solution for you. I'm going to pitch that to close the show. But before we do that, I want to tell you that today's episode brought to you by FanDuel, the number one sports book in America. And as we head into the NBA playoffs, there's no better time than to get involved Get into FanDuel because you can get back a no-sweat first bet. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Think about everything. Money line, three-pointers drained, highest scores, who wins the first half, second quarter point totals, everything. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss your chance at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Still a pass first point guard. 
I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked On Blazers. I pitched the wheel. I, I like the wheel. I like the modified wheel. I like the fixed lottery. I like the wheel in general. I think the the just top five pick wheel or top six pick, top five pick wheel, where it's like every six years, you're guaranteed a top five pick and you can bottom out to sixth if you want. I think that helps a lot. I think that helps a lot. Do I think any of this happens? No. So as long as I'm pitching stuff that I don't think will happen, how about a really radical idea? Abolish the draft. I've heard a lot of my fellow radicals pitch this one. Um, it is imperfect, but the idea, let's just go with the simplest one. Rookies are free agents, which means that what you would do this summer is you would create cap space in order to sign Victor Wembanyama. Now it would need to be, it would, the whole CBA would need to be changed because you would need to be able to offer Wembenyama a max contract immediately. Um, you would probably need to abolish max contracts in general so that everyone could compete because it's like if every team could create a max contract, you're still getting the glamour markets, Miami and Los Angeles, like w the warm places people sign. There's like seven teams in the league that actually sign free agents, but it's um, in terms of like big free agents, it's it's very it's 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 not even the Knicks. Shout out to Jalen Brunson, but it's like it's it's so few teams that are like actually participating in high level uh, high level uh, uh, free agency. The best way for a mid -mar for like a non glamour market smaller market team to sign a a marquee free agent is have one of the best players in the history of the sport clandestinely be born in the northeast corner of your state. That's literally the only way it's worked out recently is um, the kid from Akron. So uh, I think in general, abolishing the draft, creating a creating a situation where there is no salary cap or there is like a modified salary cap so you can offer a whole bunch of money to, to rookies in order to appeal to the top players to come play in your market. So then that would, come play for your team rather, um, that would prioritize teams creating systems that attracted players. You cannot overcome the fact that today in Portland, it was absolutely disgusting. It was so cold and so wet. That's not going to change. You're not going to change the straight up racial demographics of Oregon and its history that has created such racial demographics in a league that is something like 70% it's 70% black Americans. Oregon's not that. It's super white. Super white, super wet. is going to be tough. But what if you created a, a, a community like a basketball franchise in which players were treated incredibly well? So you did the Mark Cuban thing where you build a... You always had them on the nicest... Like you come in, you get the Cuban jet. Incredibly nice jet. You build the nicest practice facility. You like... You up the quality of your franchise. You know what that benefits? Owners who want to spend and be and um, and make things appealing, it would put pressure on owners to spend money, and that's how small markets are going to compete. Is is really rich people overcoming uh, the like realities of uh, the realities of of where things are of 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 the Milwaukee's and of the Portlands and of the Minneapolis's, like cities that are perfectly okay, unless you're a freaking millionaire twenty two year old, and you're like. I would rather live in Miami. It's it's warm there, and there's no tax. There's no uh, there's like the taxes are very different. Um, it's it ain't Oregon. It's not even California. Uh, it's you would you would 
create an environment perhaps that was famous for developing young players and say, okay, this is a place I know if I go sign with the Blazers, they have a history of developing young guys. I will sign with them over, over more desirable markets or the simplest thing. If you have the role, the minutes, the shots and all, and the chance to be a star, do you think Paolo Bancaro is going to go join a team where he can't be a star? Or do you think coming out of Duke, this dude's like, I'm the best player in my draft class. I want to go somewhere where they're going to give me the ball. I can score 25 points right away. I can be the franchise icon. Like the appeal of that. Hey, maybe, maybe I do want to sign with, with the wizards. Maybe I do want to sign with the magic. Maybe I do want to sign with these sort of non-glamour teams because it can be more appealing. Maybe that, maybe that is the move. What it would put a priority on is not running a dysfunctional franchise, running and having an appealing team. So like responsibly running a team that is like, isn't, isn't freaking awful, hires the right people of all of those things and being prudent with your money. So you don't spend way too much money on the Harrison Barneses. So then when the draft comes around, you do not have like, you're not, you weren't smart with your cap space. And now it's like, oh, generational talent four years from now, but we're already, already, we're already capped out. We already made some aggressive plays. I think abolishing the draft is the most fair way to do things because it's much like a draft in like, it's very American, like drafting into it's, it's like foreign to talk to anyone who like is a fan of uh, leagues around the world. A a draft is a, it's a very American thing where it's like, Hey, you're done. And now we will tell you where to work. You will be forced to work here for in the NBA up to nine consecutive years before you can like head out on your own and decide where you play. You got to stay healthy and get good. And then you can decide where you play. Uh, It's, I think I think I'm I'm into abolishing the draft because it rewards well-run teams more than anything else and it allows the sort of like it allows rookies coming into the league to figure out to pick their spots you get to a team that signs you you're going to be more, you might be more invested in if you're more invested in them you're going to grow them together instead of this like forced marriages of the draft instead of being caught into saying particularly like teams that are say they're you're like fourth in the draft and you're like well these three dudes are top of our board so we're just going to take whoever the hell is fourth because we we're going to get there um and oh well, we locked into it like it a free agent a free agent version of the draft would not reward teams that just like fall into the fourth draft slot and draft who's ever there you have to be smart you'd have to scout um you could you know you could find some uh, market inefficiencies by being better at scouting by being smarter about that stuff there's there's a lot um there's a lot to it that i think rewards smart team building uh in a way that the draft doesn't um there's like some obvious problems because la is still gonna be la and miami still gonna be miami and it's like there's still gonna be value in living in the state of texas for rich people uh it's new york is gonna be new york i mean i guess like james dolan still owns the knicks so that'll hurt them a little bit but like it's there, you know, uh, the glamour markets would still win out in this situation, but it would be a way in my eyes, if there was like an adjusted cap for teams that are smaller market teams for well-run to get in there and to make aggressive plays and to do, and to be make shrewd decisions, both on the front end and the back end to maximize chances to be good with rookies. There you go. That's my two pitches, the wheel and abolish the draft altogether and make them all free agents. You might ask, Hey, Mike, the season's ending. What are you going to do? I'm going to stick around. Like, this show doesn't go anywhere. The Like, what makes... I get it, right? Like, what makes this show great is that every morning you wake up, every weekday morning you wake up, it's in your feed waiting for you. 
I know what it is. And guess what? It's going to be in your feed waiting for you all off season. Uh, Locked on does go away from five days a week, but not until August. That means all off season long, you're going to have five Locked on Blazers shows in your feed. So we are not going to pivot to the draft immediately. Uh, we're going to do what I uh, have called exit interviews. We're going to look at some bold predictions I made at the beginning of the season. And I did pre I did previews for every player on the roster. We're going to look back at those previews, talk about what players did this season, and talk about what I got right, what I got wrong, and look ahead to how they're going to fit into the off-season plans. We're going to pivot into off-season stuff. We'll get into draft mode. I'll bring a bunch of draft experts on. We'll talk about what's going to happen. But this show is going to ramp up into fun off-season content. So if you are like need to bail on me talking about tanking, guess what? There's two more games left. We're not going to talk about it ever again. We're going to talk about what's next for the Blazers. And they're entering one of the most fascinating off-seasons that they've had in a long time. This era has reached a pivot point, And we are going to set up, looking at every player on the roster, what that pivot point means. We're going to look at the draft and what they can do there. We're going to look at free agency and trades and all of those things. Every day, every weekday, in your feed, Come hang out. Tell your friends to do the same. It's a great time to get on board. I appreciate you listening. Come back next week. The offseason begins on Monday. Next time you hear me, the offseason's here. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.